We came here to say that you don't really want it with us. Yeah, yeah. The sports show. Yeah. Yeah. You can throw in the year too, Marcus. You can, you can yeah. throw, throw one in. Yeah. 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 Welcome to episode 47 of the Year Sports Show. I am your host, Big Baby. And I'll do it for Matt because Matt is not here. The soul of R&B. To my bottom left, the queen, Queen Tay. Hello, everyone. Happy Saturday. I'm in the wrong box, but I'll be okay. <laughs> oh, you're in the wrong box this week. This week. I swear, this week. I think you know Tay's. Tay's like you know y'all probably remember Hollywood Squares. Tay's like Tay's like Whoopi, always in the middle square. You never put her anywhere but the middle square. That's it. It's a, it it feels weird for her to be someplace else. Yeah, no, you can't. You can't <laughs> have. Yeah, you can't have an episode of Hollywood Squares without Whoopi being in the middle square. Whoopi not in the middle square. Something wrong. I'm trying to compare me to different people. We don't have a talk offline. Oh, <laughs> yikes. To my bottom right, we have the voice of a generation, the professor, Pete Rosado. What's up, everybody? I'm over here just getting out. La- some last-minute breaking news uh, coming in in the NFL, so getting that down so we can talk about that in quick hits because this may be a big deal considering. Mm-hmm. And – to my top right, um, our special guest this afternoon. Please introduce yourself. Uh, you know, Marcus Crenshaw. They call me the coolest CEO. I'm the CEO of the Fam Sports Agency and a lot of other cool stuff. But you'll hear about that, you know, in the interview. Most definitely. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us. How's everybody's week this week? Well, it's been a uh, it's been a week, I would say. Um, <laughs> There was a big riot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, people were not happy about the lies they've been told, and they decided to do something about it. Rest in peace to the four lives that are, that have been lost. Um, yeah, true. Disgusting. Crazy. Disgusting. Yeah. Absolutely disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. That's what I'm gonna say. Yeah, Pete. How was your week? Um, I mean, obviously, as as Tay said, you know, we were all witness to the chaos that happened earlier this week uh, in our nation's capital, uh, and it was. I mean, literally, I have not been glued to a television screen um, like that in a very, very long time. I mean, obviously, uh, over the summertime with all of the uh, protests that were happening around the nation. But it seemed like those were day to day and you know, you kind of got a little bit more information every single day. But this was literally just one day where I could not get off of my couch and I was glued to every national news channel trying to figure out what in the world is going on, how, how much worse this can get. Um, I think the one silver lining I can take away from this is I'm glad it didn't get worse than it did. Right. So many worse things could have happened. Um, you know, and I'm glad that it, 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 it didn't, um, but at the end of the day, you know, none of us wanted to see that. That didn't, that didn't need to happen. That shouldn't have happened, uh, at all. There's no excuse for what happened this week in, in Washington, DC, uh, at all. Um, and I think, I think I speak for, I think I speak for everybody here when I say that, that, you know, that, that, those are actions to be 100% wholly condemned. Um, you know, 
But um, as Tay said, as Tay said, uh, especially to the uh, to the Capitol police officer who lost his life uh, trying to defend the Capitol, um, to the Air Force officer who lost her life, to the, the the four lives lost. You know, obviously, no one should have lost their life that day in D.C. No one. Um, but you know, otherwise it's been a, a chaotic week for me in regular life. I mean, you know, I um, you know changed positions this week, so uh, a lot of a lot of craziness uh, going on, and we're just starting the new year. Yes, Marcus, how was your week? It was good, man. You know, I I, I ain't gonna lie to y'all. I was in Dominican Republic, man. I thought I, you know, I was like, oh man, my nose stopped up. I thought the I thought the COVID got me, man. So I went in, and then they told me I just got a sinus infection. So I was like, all right, whatever. So pretty much that's what my week was, was pretty much. But nothing. Mm-hmm. Kobe be, gotcha. be trying to catch people, be sneaking up on people. It do, man. I'm happy. I, y'all, y'all had it? Any of y'all had it? I, I felt like I did, but I got the antibody test, and I didn't. So. Oh, okay. I had a nurse come to my house and test us for it because we were exposed to it. Yeah. Um, but thank God we never we didn't have it. And then yeah. you know, I, yeah, go ahead, Pete. Oh no, I've had I've, I've had some friends and some family that have been affected. Uh, I had a, a very good friend of mine who unfortunately lost her very young father uh, wow. to to this terrible disease uh, and virus. But uh, thankfully, my immediate family and, and myself have, have not been affected. Uh, and I pray each and every day that that continues uh, to be the case for my family, for my immediate family, for myself, and for my friends. I definitely don't want anyone else affected by this at all. Definitely. Most definitely. Most definitely. Most definitely. One of the other big questions of the week that a lot of people are asking is, like, where is their city? What, what, what you say? Where's the stimulus? Oh man, I don't. Even, I, I don't even think I can get one, man. I ain't got one yet, so I don't even know where they come from. <laughs> I, I, got, I got mine. You got one? I, I got, got mine. I got mine. I mean, what's, you know? what's the qualifications? Because I, I don't even like. I think I, it was. I, I, I think it, it was. You had to make less than uh, your your yearly your yearly uh, salary had to be less than seventy. I think seventy five seventy five k. Oh, okay. Or uh, seventy to seventy-five k, uh, and then it, they the, take the money pool. off of it. They take yeah. money off of it each time. So yeah, and then if I think if you if you got a hundred k or more in yearly salary, you just weren't getting one at all. Oh, oh so okay, no. yeah, that's why I was out there. I ain't getting <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. All right, guys. Sorry. Let's let's rock and roll, Pete. Quick hits. All right, so let's start with the really, really big news. Uh, first of all, this week's Quick Hits is sponsored by our good friends at Dunder Mifflin Paper Company. Because when you think paper, you think Dunder Mifflin. Uh, no, not, uh, I had to get that office reference in there. I love, I love my, 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 my people at the office. Um, but no, the big news of the week, ladies and gentlemen, this just breaking literally a couple of hours ago. Rumors are swirling um, as Urban Meyer is assembling a staff as he prepares to meet with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Rumors have been that he may be their number one choice for the head coach position in Jacksonville. He's been told that he's been asking for a good amount of money on uh, to become a NFL head coach. But the big news that he is assembling a staff in case 
Uh, he takes the Jacksonville head coaching job, and his staff is including some assistants from the college ranks. Urban Meyer and Jaguars owner Saad Khan met on Friday night in Florida, and a decision from Meyer and the Jaguars is expected this week. For those of you who are not too official with Urban Meyer's resume, the man has won three national championships in college football with Ohio State and Florida. He's compiled a 187 and 32 record across four teams, Bowling Green, Utah, Florida, and Ohio State. Two of those titles came with the Gators and one with the Buckeyes, well known for going 83-9 and nine in seven seasons in Ohio State. Uh, and the other NFL news is uh, former Washington football team quarterback Dwayne Haskins Visiting with Carolina this week, uh, Coach Matt Rule, actually the coach that recruited him. So very interesting to see uh, if Dwayne Haskins can maybe latch on with uh, the Carolina Panthers. But uh, before I go on, Urban Meyer to the NFL, could this could this actually happen? And if so, what does this mean uh, for, for Jacksonville? Dre, Tay? Um, I think it would be a good look for, for the Jags, honestly. Like, um, if if it can happen, they did. They need something. Honestly, they they need something. <laughs> I, I don't know what it is, but they need something. Bro. <laughs> yeah. Well, we, we've seen we've seen high profile college coaches come to the NFL and it not work. Most notably, when we think of a guy of the uh, gravitas of an Urban Meyer, we've seen Nick Saban come over to the NFL. And it didn't exactly work out the way a lot of people thought it would, even though he was relatively successful win-loss record-wise in Miami. But it just did not work very well. Um, so it would be very interesting. Urban Meyer, also very old, uh, older, I should say. He, uh, he did retire from um, coaching because he wanted to spend more time with his family, some health issues. So very interesting to see if he does come to the NFL. Moving on to NCAA action. Another coach rumored to come to the NFL has actually decided not to. As Michigan coach Jim Harbaugh has actually signed an extension at Michigan to stay there. He will not be coming to the NFL. Many people rumored that he would be a number one uh, coach to probably come from the college ranks. But going back to Michigan for an extension. Again, the biggest thing at Michigan and knock against Jim Harbaugh is that he just can't seem to beat Ohio State, which to Michigan is more important than anything in the world. Yeah, A lot of people can't beat Ohio State. So. <laughs> um, the NCAA announced on Monday that the March Madness tournament will happen in 2021, wow. but wow. all of the games will be played in Indianapolis and the surrounding areas. There will be no traveling, no nothing. All the teams will be based in Indianapolis this year, and so March wow. Madness will happen. That's good. Uh, and earlier this week, you may have heard that Alabama wide receiver Devonta Smith won the Heisman Trophy. Uh, he became only the third wide receiver all time to win the Heisman and the first since Desmond Howard did it back in 1991. It has been 29 years since a wide receiver has won the Heisman Trophy. Mostly has gone to running backs and quarterbacks in recent years, and there were two quarterbacks in this year's Heisman class. So very interesting. Uh, Trevor Lawrence will possibly come out. No national titles and uh, without the Heisman. Are you sure it's Devonta or Devontae? 
<laughs> Might be Devonte, but I, I, you know, got got the A at the end, so I said Devonta. Yeah, I believe it is Devonte. Thank you. Gotta put a little soul on that name, Pete. Thank you. <laughs> um, COVID and the NBA. Three Mavericks are out due to COVID restrictions. Kevin Durant still out due to contact tracing. Michael Porter Jr. out indefinitely due to contact tracing. And Philadelphia will play tonight's game with only nine available players. They needed at least more than eight to not postpone the game. Philly will only have nine players with three of those players just coming off the COVID list. COVID starting to affect the NBA now that they're no longer in the bubble. This is this becoming a, uh, an issue for the NBA. And lastly, our last two stories of the week go to Major League Baseball. New York, be happy. The blockbuster trade has finally happened. But it's not the Yankees, ladies and gentlemen. The New York Metropolitans have made their first big trade under Steve Cohen. Yeah, the New York Mets, their full name is actually the Metropolitans. Um, the New York Mets made their first big trade under Steve Cohen's regime as they as they acquire Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco from the Cleveland Indians for uh, in, infielders Andres Jimenez, Ahmed Rosario, minor league pitcher Josh Wolf, and minor league player Isaiah Green. Not really much going back to Cleveland. Cleveland shedding forty three million dollars in salary, which was a big issue for them. But the Mets. Receive a pitcher who was in the top five two years ago, beat cancer to come back last year, had an ERA under three, and Francisco Lindor, the big prize shortstop. Uh, in Since 2015, Francisco Lindor is first in home runs, first in extra base hits, and second in RBI among shortstops in the major leagues. So big pickup for the Mets under Steve Cohen. Well, I guess he was not playing around when he said this was going to be a different Mets team. And some, our last story, some sad news coming out of Major League Baseball this week. As legendary Dodgers manager and baseball Hall of Famer, Tommy Lasorda passed away at the age of 93 this past week. He was a formerly, uh, as of last season, a special advisor to the chairman of the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, he started with the Dodgers back in 1949 as a player when they were still in Brooklyn. And made a couple of stops across Major League Baseball. And then became the coach of the L.A. Dodgers for 20 seasons. Elected to the Hall of Fame in 1997 in his first time on the ballot. During his time as a manager of the Dodgers, they went to four World Series. One, two of them had eight division championships. And until last year... Tommy Lasorda had been the last Dodger manager to lead a Dodger team to the World Series until the 2020 World Series, which the Dodgers won. And Tommy Lasorda was on hand in Arlington, Texas for that World Series win. For all of us here at the Euro Sports Show, we send our love and condolences to Tommy Lasorda's family, his friends, and to the entire Major League Baseball family. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is Quick Hits for the week of January the 9th. Great job. Great job. Go ahead, Pete. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Dre, I can't hear you. 
Big baby, we can't hear you. Uh, I said, thank you, Pete. That was great. That was great. That was great. You know, when, when Dunder Mifflin <laughs> is sponsoring Quick Hits. Yeah, you never know what can happen. You right. definitely never know what can happen. So, our guest, our special guest today, the coolest CEO in all sports agent, agencies. Um, So, Mr. Marcus, you started, um, you played ball in high school, right? Yeah, and college and uh, professionally in Europe for like five years. Yes. Um, tell us about that. Um, what got you? What? When did your love for basketball like begin? Your love for basketball begin? Just like every other kid in the hood, you know, like seven, eight, nine. You know what I'm saying? Hooping. Um, and just I, I was good young. Man. I got like 10, 12 years old. I was real good. So I was able to carry that to high school and be, you know, the uh, one of the all-time leading scorers in Michigan high school basketball. Yes, most definitely. I saw some of your highlight tape. You were a bit of a sniper from back there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I, I was playing like Steph Curry, but I'm a little, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm a little older. But see, that was like <laughs> looked down upon when you could shoot like pull them threes. People used to look. Oh, I was wow. averaging thirty in high school. They was looking at me like I was crazy. Doing that, you know what I'm saying? But now everybody does it. Yeah, hundred percent. It's a generational shift. Because yeah. even when I play basketball, you know, if you had games, you know, in the pro, in the pros going over ninety, a hundred, you thought that they were doing the most, right? What was that? Oh. Yeah, no, 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 we're good, we're good, we're good. Definitely a much different game. I mean, even um, even when I played early on as a young kid and then into high school, you know, it, and I played, so I grew up, I grew up playing the big man role, and then obviously everybody got bigger and bigger and taller than me, so I had to transition to being a, a point guard, um, which actually felt like a more natural position for me just because of okay. uh, my, my ability to pass because I'd played, I was a pitcher in baseball, quarterback in football, so my ability to see the, the court and everything and pass was really well um, well suited for it. Uh, definitely don't have the handle or the footwork. For a point guard, I will tell you that. But when, when you put me on, you put me on the court and give me somebody to pass the ball to, I'm gonna throw some fancy passes and make it work. But um, for a long time, a lot of my basketball coaches would always tell me, like, your job as the point guard is not to score. Your right. job as the point guard is to facilitate, is to really give out the assists. Uh, I had one coach who I will always remember for the, all of my life who used to say, "You have five jobs when you're on the court." Pass the ball, pass the ball, pass the ball, pass the ball. And if all else fails and the play breaks down, pass the ball. Um, and it, it was, yeah, it was one of those things where it was like, if I, if I scored, I had to legitimately break down for him why I felt I needed to take that shot. It was, yeah. So very old school. And so you look at guards nowadays and guards just dominating and just pulling up, from, pulling up from the logo. It's just like, what? Exactly. So, so imagine somebody. I'm I'm like five nine, five ten in Detroit, where it's a, a major basketball city. Imagine some five nine person dropping thirty a game. All of the coaches was like, "He's playing the wrong way. What is he doing? That's crazy." Because I'm little, so they think and pass the ball, like you said, your coach was thinking. So I gotta ask you because you said Detroit, right? Growing up in Detroit, what kind of influence did the Pistons ever have on you playing basketball? Uh, you know what? Big time. My dad was, I, I, you know, like I was so young, but 
my dad used to take me to the bad boys games, like Isaiah Thomas and all of them. I, my dad knew them, so I would be in the locker room and everything. So I was I was lit, you know what I'm saying? Going to Isaiah <laughs> Thomas camp in the summer, all that. So he did a major impact. Best little guard in the NBA, in my opinion. Uh, I would say Allen Iverson, but... Uh, okay. Yeah. I would go Iverson. Yeah. I, I mean, Isaiah might, Isaiah might hip check him, but yeah, Isaiah and Joe Dumars might hit him with that shh, 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 that secret language that they had. Next thing you yeah. know, I'm getting hip checked halfway across the floor. Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> You're going to see it's the Philly come out of Allen Iverson real quick in a game against Isaiah Thomas. That's yeah, funny. That's, that's funny. So, um, you, you've always had, a, from doing my research on you, you've always had um, a hustler's mentality. I saw a story yeah. on you about how you turned 3K into 80K in a matter of three months. Please yep. explain. Well, <laughs> how I did that, okay. Yeah, you can do this on a regular phone, too. How, how I did that, basically, it was like, I was, man, I ain't, I ain't had much money at the time. And I wanted to start a business, so I had retired from overseas. And I had told everybody, like, man, I never worked for nobody else. You know, y'all working for people. So I, I just was, like, looking at a bunch of YouTube stuff, getting excited. You know what I'm saying? So I, I got these T-shirts, man, You Can't Check Me shirts, and I took them to different tournaments. But the first 11 tournaments that I took the shirts to, nobody purchased anything. They was basketball AU tournaments. Then I, I, I was driving overnight, like, damn, man, this might not work. I was in Atlanta. I went to a girls tournament, man. I went to Atlanta. I went to a girls tournament. Two girls bought shirts. Then they hold team. Then every, the next team, next team, next team. Next thing you know, that day I made, I had like, I, I had, I started with 3K with shirts. That day I had like 16K. I took the 16K. I read it up. So by the whole summer, I kept going to certain tournaments, start marketing on Instagram. And by three months I, I had like, I went from 3K to 80K. Just selling t-shirts, bro, out the truck at basketball wow. tournament. Wow. That is amazing to think like you come home from overseas and you're, you're figuring everything out to yep. come back and you, you you just flip 3K into 80K. That That is amazing. Um, <laughs> yeah. That is amazing. Got it. Mentioned- oh, go ahead, Dre. Go ahead, Pete. I was I was gonna say, you know, Marcus, you so in 2014, you yep. start you start Hoopcrit. Yep. And you focus primarily on WNBA athletes. Yeah. And you know, here's my we we've spoken about the WNBA on this show a couple of times, right? So more in, than a couple of times. Yeah. So when we talk in 2014. We are already talking about 17 years since the WNBA started operations back right. in 1997. Exactly. Did you feel that even in those 17 years, the WNBA athletes and, the, and, these, and these women just did not have the right kind of marketing opportunities that they deserved 17 years after this league had been started? Yeah. Well, you know what? Yeah and no. What I felt was, I felt it was a very young league, and and they kept changing presidents and all of that stuff. And what I felt was, 
nobody just knew how knows how to market the women's game yet. Like it just didn't happen. I didn't think they knew how to bring it to the to the masses yet. Um, so I think I, I just felt like it just needed time. Like it needs time. That's that's how I felt. I wasn't surprised. And so when you when you think of going into the WNBA and, and working with with those athletes and and these incredible women that 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 play in the WNBA, yeah. um, how is your focus different going into the WNBA, or how is your approach different going into the WNBA, especially being a man, right? Let me, uh, yeah, let me take going into the NBA. Exactly. Like a lot of the players, like it was some players that was in the league that was my friends. Cause the girls, they go to the WNBA, then they go overseas in the off season. So I was playing overseas. So I would meet some of them and we would become cool and go to each other games and just be cool. So remember when I told you about the three K to 80 K 11, I went to 11 tournaments. Nobody bought anything. Those were boys tournaments. The one where I sold out was girls tournaments. So once I sold out at the girls tournament, I said, okay, they girls, they women, they parents, they buy stuff. So I kept having so much success with the women, with the girls that I was like, okay, I'm going to be like a, a minor Nike. I'm going to sign these WNBA players to rep these products and keep pushing the brand and make it the first one for the women. So that was my mindset going there that's why i was first to the market there got you got you um what else there was something else that that stuck out to me um so she hoops network yeah uh what what is the history on that because i remember hearing about she hoops network but yeah. um i i like back in 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 16 but i didn't really like I, I didn't really see too much about it uh, but uh, tell us about she hoops network so basically as you saw i, I really stuck into the uh, women's game so i saw i ended up selling hoop cred that was the, that was the first company that i ended up selling so i sold that company then i was like okay i don't want to have products cuz at the end of the day we were selling products but we didn't have a a full platform to put the products on. So I was like, I'm gonna create a female ESPN where all of the dopest highlights from high school, you could be a kid, you can be a grown woman, you can be a WNBA, you can be a street baller. Long as you're a woman, you we gonna have the littest stuff and you going on this platform, which was never seen before, you know, period. So I started that up, man, in probably like four, five months. It grew fast. It grew to like 100,000 followers probably in like four or five months because nobody had ever seen a platform that was just for women hoopers. So I built that up, um, started working with different people, a girl named Overtime Chloe. I start hiring people, hire her. We built, we built it up, and then I ended up selling it to Overtime. That's like one of the biggest media outlets right now for sports. I sold it to Overtime. Most definitely. Most definitely. That's funded by Kevin Durant, so they bought that. She hoops, and then they changed the name to Overtime WBB. Dope, dope. That's so impressive and so awesome. So, you know, just a quick question from me, right? Yeah. As a, you know, as a sports agent, as a, you know, entrepreneur, when you scout talent, right? Yeah. yeah. 
what is what would you feel will be the top three characteristics in a in a athlete that you know will be to the next level? As, as, as a sports agent? Yeah. Okay. What I look for is like, you know, if you look at my agency, which was by the far, uh, it's like one of the fastest growing agencies. It started in 2019 and we already here. So what I like is I like high caliber players, but I, I look at your game first. Clearly, I'm going to look at your game. You know what I'm saying? I want to make sure I feel like you got all the skills to get it done at the highest level. The second thing is I, I, I ask about your character. I talk to parents. I talk to coaches. I talk to everybody because, you know, it's not no fun working with somebody who might be really, really good. But if they like a bad, like can't make good decisions and they got like a bad attitude, it's going to be like horrible working with them. You know what I'm saying? So the second thing I look at is character. And then the third thing I look at it is like, how serious are you about basketball? Once I interview them and I talk to them, if you feel like, if I feel like you're going to have a long career and you all in, you serious about basketball, then I'm going to pick you up. So for me, it's those things. It's your game, your longevity, and your character. Great, great answer. Great answer. And to kind of follow up on that, right? Uh-huh. What I really appreciate a lot about your agency is the fact that you focus a lot on female athletes in a yep. way that other agencies don't, right? Yeah, for sure. Uh-huh. So as somebody, like, you know, we, we have everything going on with the COVID pandemic and, you know, how society is changing in a whole, right? What yep. would you say to somebody? Because I know a lot of people who want to become a sports agent, who want to get into this line of work, right? What yep. advice would you give to them, especially given how difficult things are now because of the pandemic? I would, the, my advice is always build your brand. Like what I what I tell people in any business that you're in, so sports agent plus any business, your name is your currency, your credibility, the things that you've done, the things that you've accomplished. So if you are known for something, so even if it's even if you haven't sold companies like me, if you can get on the internet and make a name for yourself for being funny or for being just gaining attention, if you can gain attention, you can really do anything in this world. I mean, look who the president is because he, he had all the attention. So I would tell people to focus on building a brand and building some credibility behind your name before you do anything. Great, great answer. I really appreciate that. And then um, lastly, what are your big, what do you, what do you think your company's goals are for 2021? Um, well, my company expanded. So in 2019, they, they, they labeled us the fastest growing agency. We, we sound like, like 17, I sound like 17 WNBA players in one year. So awesome. Oh my God. What I want to do now is I want to keep expanding. I want to keep bringing in high quality, um, you know, players, um, veterans and rookies. I'm getting some top rookies. And then we just expanded the company to like a music to a record label. So I just signed my first artist because I want to go into the entertainment game. So his name is YS Lost out of Brooklyn, New York. So we're about to start putting him out. So that's we go into the entertainment uh, world. Um, That was what I was about to ask you to go ahead. Tay. What a time to try to get into the music game. <laughs> I tell you. It's crazy. Right. Over here. It's crazy. Is bad or good? 
We can have a whole talk about that offline. <laughs> um, why music? Basically, you know, like sports, right? I've been playing sports my whole life. But who are the people that I looked up to? I looked up to Master P. I looked up to Dame, Damon Dash. I looked up to Allen Iverson. I looked up to Jay-Z. I looked up to Birdman. I looked up to the CEOs, Puff Daddy and all of them. Plus, I looked up to the basketball players. So for me, it's like I'm a good marketer. I understand branding. All Everything that I did was branding. You know what I'm saying? I'm not no genius. I'm not an alien. I made millions of dollars because I understood the consumer's behavior and how they, you know, move to things. So I need to test myself and see how big of a CEO am I? Am I, am I Jay-Z big or am I just, okay, 10 million big or am I billion big? So now it's time for me to spread my wings and test myself to see, can I do it in entertainment? If I do it in entertainment, I'm the GOAT. That's how I feel. Well, you know, you already, the the CEO mindset can go into any different exactly. genre, right? So yes. I don't feel as if, I don't feel as if it'll be a test for you because I think that you already have what it takes to kind of, I'm sorry, I had a bad echo. Um, I feel like you have what it takes to, to, to entertainment. It's just such a, a rough time for entertainment, meaning majority of these up next artists, right? Half or 60 or 70% of their revenue doesn't necessarily come from streaming, but live performances. Yeah, no doubt. You know what I'm saying? So right now, you know, you have to put your, continue to have your branding hat on, but you know. Yeah, but guess what? I'm, I'm happy about that because, you know, I'm a guy that loves the grind. Like I'm from, I'm from the, the east side of Detroit. I'm from real, it's real gritty at, right? So just like how I, I love to start new things and I, I don't care if they take two years to build up. I love that. I love when everyone thinks I'm not going to win. I start a business and then they laughing. And then two years later, I'm selling it for millions of dollars. So at the end of the day, you got to realize I'm thinking pre-COVID. Just I'm thinking past this right now because I'm like, okay, my artist, we just starting out. My artist is amazing. Like he's the, the sound. I've never heard anything like it, to be honest with you. So for me, the sound is great. He he has a big budget. And if if he doesn't do a show until next year, from from the day we put him out to a year, eventually the world will hear about him. So we got the patience to keep going. I, I, I'm not tripping. For sure. No, I'm just saying because I have an extensive background in the music industry. Gotcha. So yeah. I'm asking from like a devil's advocate point of view because even though sports, music, entertainment, it's all entertainment, all goes hand in hand. It just shows that you have the the CEO audacity, which is not a, a um, it's not a dig at you. It's it's talking about that hustle, that drive to be able to take such a risk, to have that such strong belief in your artists during this time. And I think it's awesome because I speak to artists all the time. And where I sit, it's just building your brand, building your brand and all this stuff like that. And what you say, what you're saying is what I feel like a lot of people say to me. So it's good to hear that how you speak about it is not, it makes me feel like I'm not a mad scientist up in these streets. Well, I feel, I understand what you're saying because somebody could say, oh man, Art, like you say, people like artists can't tour, so therefore, um, 
it where, where the money at. I feel like they'll eventually be able to tour or to be. It might we might if my when I pop my artist off, we might gotta create something. Whereas virtual tours, we might gotta create where he's right in front of you and you put some glasses on and you see him in your living room. I'm I creative like that. I, I I I got the money and I'm creative like that. So if he pop, then they might we he might be the first artist that that you buy his glasses, you his fan. And and he and you you got the performance in your living room with you and your friends and y'all can put it on. So I have the perfect platform for you and your artists. Then I'm gonna figure it's it so out. Awesome. All right, we can talk about that. But I'm gonna always figure it out and I'm gonna be innovative and I'm gonna create. I'm not gonna let nothing stop me. You know what I'm saying? Like that. You know what I'm saying? Most definitely, most definitely. Thank you for the inside look. So let's get into. The dudes. I got, I got one, one, one last question for, for the coolest CEO in the game. Okay. Right. So uh, let's 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 kind of jump back, right? So 2014, actually, you, you start, you start, and you're still doing it now. But let's take a, a jump in the way back machine. If you could go back and you could get in on the ground floor of the WNBA, you could get in the first five to ten years of the WNBA. Who would have been the first two players? That you would have wanted to try to go after to represent in the early days of the WNBA. Come on, man! If if, if I could have rep, what if I could have represented any player right now? I gotta say, number one, I would have represented Cheryl Swoops. The girl, the girl, she blew a lot of money, but the girl has twenty-two million dollar Nike deal. I would have represented Cheryl Swoops, and. Diana Taras. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. I, 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 I love me. I, I think. I think Diana Diana Taurasi doesn't get as much play, especially anymore. Even though she's still one of the most dominant players in the WNBA. Um, yeah. But she came, yeah, she came in at, at a time where it was just like year after year, you were getting really top level women, and so it's like Diana was like they, they gave a lot of media attention for one year. And she kind of fell off a little bit. And I think I think what's interesting is especially in this generation with social media, with Instagram, like I follow a bunch of WNBA players on Instagram. Um, <laughs> I love listen, uh, right now my, my my two favorite women, my three favorite women, I should say, uh, Sue Bird, you know, uh Liz Cambridge and <laughs> and and T, and T Cooper. <laughs> you know, but okay, okay. You, but, you know, okay, you, but, but. See, it, but it goes to show that nowadays, it's people are becoming more fans of what you do, who you are off the court, than who you are on the court. True, but I think what's interesting is it allows it allows because I'll be honest, I've seen, I've watched WNBA games because I'm a sports fan. I've always been somebody who's wanted to be involved in sports analytics and things like that, right? Yeah, but. Yeah. Well, I think the average fan who isn't necessarily watching WNBA games on TV or doesn't know where to find them, I think yep. platforms like Instagram and Twitter really do help with getting that content out there on on the plays. You know, you, it's very rare you're going to see a WNBA play on an ESPN Sports Center top ten, which is 100%. sad because you got plays in the WNBA that can make that top ten list. So I think. Instagram and Twitter is still a, a great platform. TikTok, yep. things like that, still great platforms for WNBA athletes to get that content and their game out there. And I really think, you know, 17 years later, we're talking 20, almost 20 years later of the WNBA, 
you know, I really still don't think the WNBA has hit that boom period yet, and I still think it's coming. Hopefully. I I, I, I know it hasn't yet, so I, I'm with you. I hope it do come. <laughs> Most definitely. Um, while we're on the topic of basketball, um, the NBA season, um, we've got our first full week of basketball. Um, it's been so many crazy surprises. Oh, hold on. I, I think the feedback's coming from your mic, uh, Marcus. Just mute it real quick. Yep. Okay. So, it's so many crazy surprises coming from basketball this this past week, two weeks. What is the biggest surprise? Is it the Clippers losing by a thousand points? Is it <laughs> is it Brooklyn, how they're playing? Is it how good the Rockets are actually playing still without Harden? What do, what do you think, Queen? My biggest surprise is the Knicks. I mean, hell yeah. They look almost competitive at this point. I, you know, I think Tom Thibodeau is is a really solid above average coach. He did amazing things in Chicago. You know, he had a, a stacked roster ish, you know, with the D Rose, with the Joaquin Noahs, and, and all of them. Um, but to see that he's doing these smart plays with the Knicks, who to me, these this is a roster that has a lot of potential. And yes, I think they're just at 500 or maybe one game over 500. But as a suffering, long suffering Knicks fan for over 30 years, um, seeing them at this point is, I feel like, the most surprising piece of the NBA season so far. I'm not surprised about the Clippers. I, oh, you know how I feel about them. I feel like they're overrated. Um, I think Golden State, like I said in a few other episodes, a few episodes ago, I still think that, you know, as long as Steph Curry's on the court, he's a dangerous player on on any on any court. You get what I'm saying? And everybody I feel is playing a little bit up to where I thought. But the Knicks are doing a lot better than I thought they would be doing. Most definitely. Marcus, who's your who who do you have as a surprise this year so far? Um I really know team surprised me, bro. Not even the Knicks. I'm just Lamelo Ball. I I just love you know. I'm I'm not a team guy. I'm an individual guy. So I'm I'm just proud. I'm happy. I'm I'm happy to see him do what he doing. He's kind of surprising a lot of people, and I'm I'm really like to see him. Like if he if he started and play more minutes. He might be a 20, like, 8 and 7 kind of guy. Yeah, I think uh, me and my friends were talking about that the other day. With um, If LaMelo is, uh, gets more minutes and he plays on a consistent basis, ooh, I think he would um, – I think he can easily average at least between 15 and 20 and 8 and 8. Along those lines, it depends, and it also depends on how how they keep building Charlotte. That they if they keep building Charlotte around them, so yeah, for sure, I agree. That's 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 my surprise. All them teams, that stuff don't surprise me. Most definitely, um, Pete. Who do you, who who's your surprise? So the queen, the queen actually took my, my my number one right there. I think the success of the Knicks and how well they've been playing has been a great surprise. Actually, a word came out last night that the Knicks have re-signed uh, Taj Gibson 
uh, you know, bring him back to New York. But to me, the bigger surprise is the redemption tour of Doc Rivers. Philly is 7-2. and two. They are one of the best teams in the NBA. They're only the only team with a better record than them, I believe. Actually, no, they have the best record in the NBA because L.A. is 7-3. and three. The Lakers are 7-3. and three. Um, So Philly, I think, has been incredible. Obviously, it's going to be a, a tough run for them today as they have to play with only nine eligible players. But Doc Rivers really showing out in Philly, uh, taking Embiid and Simmons and really putting them on another level. Um, it was a big surprise. Ben Simmons attempted a three a couple of games ago. I was like, oh, my God. Ben Simmons took a three. Look at this. Um, you know, but I think also really quickly a secondary surprise is the very quick fall of the Toronto Raptors. The Raptors are two and six so far this year. And they have relatively the same team. They just gave Fred Van Vliet the big contract. They still have Pascal Siakam. They have uh, uh, Chris Bouchard, who's supposed to be one of the uh, up-and-coming centers in the league. They have the same solid team, and Nick Nurse is still the coach there. But what I think went unnoticed to a lot of people is the top Toronto assistant became a head coach this year. Right. And so, you know, the question could be asked how, you know, people don't really give a lot of credit a lot of times to the assistant coaches in the NBA and the work that they do. And and seeing this quick fall of Toronto is kind of alarming. I get it. It is only eight games into the season. They could very easily turn it around and make it into the playoffs. But I think when you look at what Toronto has been the last two, three years to see them at two and six in eight games, is really uh, is really alarming. Philly being seven and two is fantastic. You look at the East right now: um, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, the teams that people thought would be one and two are six and eight in in the rankings right now. Brooklyn's really been feast and famine, right? They either do really really great or they do really really bad, uh, and they really you know, have to try to find that middle ground. I think this year, um, and especially now with Dinwiddie out for a couple of months due to the due to the uh, injury, and KD's been out a couple of games, and now Kyrie's out a couple of games. So really, I think trying to have to find themselves again, because uh, right now, 500, I don't think anybody had money on Nets 500. No, um, with everything that, but, you know, COVID and everything that's happened this week, um, I think it, it affected the Nets, uh and it's affected a lot of teams in general. Uh, I honestly think all of the teams outside of, like, the real major teams, they're finding their stride, um, especially, like, when we talked about the Warriors and we saw what the Warriors were looking like the first couple games. They were like, all right, bottom of the barrel again. But Steph is showing that he can be a number one option. He just has to hit his shots. For me, Steph has to hit his shots. Steph's Steph the best does. shooter of this, the best shooter of this generation, Dre. But most, most definitely. But he how has many to. how many shots can he put up? But it's not fair to just say he has to hit shots. You know, mm-hmm. if we keep we keep we always say this, and this is something that that makes me cringe on this on, on our show. It's not about it's a team game. There's other people on that team. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So you have to be able to rely on your teammates to get a goal going to to win a game. Like mm-hmm. I said, Draymond has to step up offensively. 
that's something that I've said before the season even started. We have to we have to remember that it's even though it's a superstar branded league, it is a team sport. If I, as a guard, am not playing correctly, I'm expecting my, my shooting guard to play all right. I'm expecting my power forward to play all right, my center. So because just because the, all the burdens on Steph, it doesn't mean that it has to be. And it no. shouldn't. And I think that's the big thing. No, you're right. You said it, Tan. I mean, and, and it goes along with my question. How many shots can Steph put up? Like, how many shots to the man's exhausted, to the man possibly, God forbid, injures himself trying to you know, carry the entire team on his shoulders? As, as Tay said very eloquently, basketball, more than almost any other sport, is a team game. One player is not going to win the game for you, especially in this era of the NBA or maybe the last 20 years of the NBA. This isn't where, you know, back in the day when you had Bill Russell, ain't nobody was beating you. You know, when you had Kareem, ain't nobody was beating you, right? But that's not the case nowadays, right? And Curry is leading the team in assists and leading the team in points. Um, and, and, and to me, the second best player on that team has been James Wiseman, who's playing less than 25 minutes a game most times. And he's which, the number two pick. Which I was definitely about to bring up because um, Marcus brought up, you know, surprise players. Wiseman is 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 a dog right now. Um somebody on uh somebody compared him to Giannis and I'm just like I get what they're getting at in terms of you know him being able to dribble the ball up but you gotta remember Penny Hardaway's been coaching this kid since he was young. <laughs> Penny Hardaway big guard so it's only natural that his bigs know how to dribble as well. Twelve uh, six twelve six and two blocks are his averages right now. Playing less than playing barely over twenty minutes a game, Dre. Right, and if you add that, you add another ten or another ten or twelve minutes, that can easily be close to twenty five. Twenty five. Right. And who was their big pickup? Kelly Oubre was the big pickup. Kelly Oubre averaging twenty six minutes a game, uh, but barely. You know, he's barely averaging ten points a game barely averaging five and a half rebounds. You know, this is not the production that they expected to get out of a Kelly Oubre Jr., especially when you got him to really kind of circumvent the loss of Klay Thompson. Agreed. Agreed. Um, any final thoughts on this, Marcus, Queen, uh, Pete? Y'all hit it. I agree. Surprise team, I want to say though, Dre. You know who people, you know who I don't think anybody would have ever had. I don't think anybody had money on this year right now and they're playing really good basketball. The Cleveland Cavaliers. They have yeah. been, they have been, <laughs> they have been one of the better teams this year. They are five and four right now, actually in the middle of the pack in the east, but they have been a tough out in every game that they've played. And this is considering that Kevin Love has been out of the lineup for, I think, about 80% of their games so far this early part of the season. Yeah, most definitely. I think the Cavs are they're, – they're sneaky. But, you know, we, we you know, the, the biggest longstanding joke of the NBA, oh, well, it's the East. Regardless, you still got to play good to get into the playoffs. Regardless, you still got to play. You still got to win to get in the playoffs, East or West. Cleveland Browns so. are in the playoffs. And the Cleveland Cavaliers – make it in the NBA in 2021. That'd be, that would be, I don't think 
When was the last time, and I think it would take us a little time to figure this out, when was the last time Cleveland had multiple teams in the playoff format of, I mean, well, no, no, because when the Cavs were good, when LeBron was there, the Indians were not good, and the Browns were not good. And when the Browns were good, the Cavs and all of them weren't good. So I think it's been a long time since we've had multiple Cleveland teams in the playoffs of their respective sports in one season. Yeah, most definitely. Marcus, thank you for have uh from coming on the episode. We definitely appreciate it. Definitely appreciate it. Tell people where to find you um and everything. Yeah, I appreciate y'all having me on, man. Y'all got a real good show, man. Thank, um, thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, thank you, very you, much. you can find me on Instagram, coolest CEO, C O O L E S T C E O, and uh just find me there. Don't look for me, you know. I'll I'll pop up. <laughs> Don't come find me. I'll find you. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'll find right. you if I need you. Don't even look for me. Right. But no, <laughs> thank you so much, man. Appreciate thank you so time. much. We definitely appreciate the time. From you. Yes. All right. Thank you, man. And good luck to y'all. Thank you. Thank good you. Thank you. Thank you. Happy 2021. All right. All right. Take it easy. Thank you. You too. The NFL. It, it's a lot of moving parts going on in the in the league right now. Um, Carson Wentz and Deshaun Watson um, both have been talked about being moved or, or asked for trades. Sam Darnold of of Pete and Matt's Jets are is also in trade talks. <laughs> I asked this question to the table with all this going on in the NFL um, and the draft coming up shortly. Do you think that quarterbacks won't be so much of a premium? Since a lot of quarterbacks are about to be on the move, do you think those top picks will go to skill posi- other skill positions like receivers or or, or or corners or running backs? So, Pete, I'll start with you. Listen, I think Deshaun Watson being unhappy in, in Houston and asking for a trade out of uh, – possibly looking for a trade out of Houston – could literally upend this entire NFL draft. Because here's the thing. I don't care how good Trevor Lawrence could turn out to be. I don't care how good Justin Fields could turn out to be. Or uh, Wilson, the kid out of BYU. Right? Deshaun Watson is young and has an established elite quarterback resume. Right. And so this is a man who could very easily go to Jacksonville, go to the Jets, go to any team who is in need of a go to Carolina, go to New England. Right. Any team that needs a quarterback and it's become, I think, an elite quarterback for that team. And when you're looking at the teams who might be looking at possibly drafting a quarterback in this year's NFL draft. Jacksonville with the number one pick, Trevor Lawrence. You know, um, the Jets with the number two pick, possibly a Justin Fields or, or, or a Wilson. Or if Trevor Lawrence happens to fall to number two, do they take Trevor Lawrence? There are a number of teams who could who could use a quarterback, and I think the established resume of a Deshaun Watson especially um, is something that cannot be denied. Does can Houston put together a good enough package for can, can can if Jacksonville turned around and made a trade for Deshaun Watson by getting and then trading the number one pick 
or they for somehow were able to keep the number one pick but get Deshaun Watson as well, um, you know, you're talking about a team who could go from worst to first in in a year, right? If the Jets were somehow to do that, how does that affect their draft plans, right? Um, listen, say what you want about Carson Wentz. The guy is still a serviceable, serviceable NFL quarterback. We've seen worse quarterbacks do more in the NFL, right? We've seen worse quarterbacks have long careers in the NFL. Carson Wentz is going to get picked up by a team. Carson Wentz is going to go somewhere and start. I do believe that. Um, I, I'm not going to say that he's going to be good and going to win a Super Bowl somewhere, but I wouldn't be surprised if a Bill Belichick tries to get a Carson Wentz. And imagine what a guy like Belichick would want to do with a guy like Carson Wentz, right? He can build a system around a guy like Carson Wentz. I'm just saying, if anybody is going to resurrect if a guy like Carson If he couldn't do it with, um, oh my God, what's his face? Cam Newton? If he couldn't do it with Cam, he can't do it with uh, Carson Wentz. I'm sorry. You know what I'm saying? I feel as if, you know, I'm not sorry for anything, but um, I feel that, you know, there are teams that need a quarterback, and Pete, I agree with you 100%. But I feel that Carson Wentz, you know, his stock has plummeted, and I don't know if he'll ever really get a, a starting quarterback gig anywhere again unless somebody's injured. Mike Vick got a quarterback gig after after being out of the NFL. Mm -hmm. Like how, how many years was Vick out? Like three or four years, but he ain't Vic. Carson Wentz isn't, isn't Mike Vick. No, I agree definitely, with that. Talent-wise, he's not. But you talk no. about four years out of the NFL and the man was still able to start for two different teams. I mean, Wentz will start somewhere. Will he be successful? No, I agree with you. But he I will be a starting where, job somewhere. I wonder where, though, because to be honest with you, if you have these teams that are that desperately need a quarterback, they're getting their quarterback help from the draft, right? So I feel that Carson Wentz at this point in his career, he has to play player coach, more coach player. It is, it's his job at this point. He had his, his chance at the big dance and, you know, it, you know, he crapped the bed too many times for me over the past few seasons. And I feel like I get what you're saying to Michael Vick part. Yeah. He, he was out of the league for a few years, but you know, Mike Vick was one of the, transcending type of quarterbacks. He was one of the only mobile quarterbacks at during his era. So he changed the game as far as quarterbacks are concerned. Carson Wentz is always known as the overpaid quarterback who his backup had to come and do his job and did it better than him. Tay, can I throw something at you real quick? So let's, let's look at this real quick. Just looking at the NFL teams, right? Uh, teams that might need a quarterback or might think of getting a quarterback this upcoming season, right? Uh -huh. I think we can all agree that New England probably looking for a new quarterback in the upcoming season. Uh, the Jets are up in the air, depending on what they do in the draft and if they keep Darnold. Um, but let's throw them into the mix. Um, possibility of does Indianapolis move on from Phillip Rivers, right? So possibly Indianapolis in the mix. Um, Houston obviously going to need somebody if they get rid of Deshaun Watson. Um, Jacksonville, we don't know what they're going to do yet. Vegas, does the, do the Raiders move on from Derek Carr? Please, God. Uh, um, does Denver move on from Drew Locke? Right? So now Denver as well. Uh, Washington. Carson Alex isn't better than any of those people in those teams. 
Uh, oh no, not just Carson Wentz, but just just the quarterbacks in general that'll be out there. Washington probably going to have to get somebody uh, instead of Alex Smith, right? Um, Philly's going to need somebody, obviously, if they get rid of uh, if they get rid of Wentz. Um, Chicago, what are they going to do? They keep Foles, they keep Trubisky. What goes on there? Um, Your favorite team. Then you have Carolina. What do they do next? Uh, and then in the last two teams that I think, does San Francisco San Francisco probably needs a quarterback? And does Atlanta move on from Matt Ryan? Right? So all of those teams, Wentz is going to get a starting job somewhere. Queen, right? Like just it, it, even if all those teams move quarterbacks, he's going to get a starting uh, job somewhere. Why? That's what I'm saying. What is right. he – the thing is – He's not even worthy being a starting quarterback on the team that he's currently on. You get what I'm saying? And all these people, when you're talking about Indianapolis, they're in the playoffs. You get what I'm saying? And right now they're beating the Bills. So you have to think about it before. You know what I'm saying? All these teams that, that are in transition, I want somebody of new blood. You get what I'm saying? And then have Wentz as more of a guidance. Because that's all they branded during that Super Bowl when Foles won. You get what I'm saying? What happened to Garoppolo? Right. Jimmy G. Um, I don't know. Like he's he's, he's been hurt a lot. He's yeah, he's been hurt yeah. a lot. But so <laughs> but so is Wentz. Yeah, yeah so is Wentz. Know, so why? Nah. Yeah. Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo, I feel, is even a better quarterback than Carson Wentz. And so, so this will probably be the quarterback. What we're looking at. Let's not even. We're gonna have. We have the three top quarterbacks in the draft, right? Three top quarterbacks in the draft. Possibly Deshaun Watson out there. Possibly Carson Wentz out there. Possibly Jimmy Garoppolo. Possibly Sam Darnold. Possibly Matt Ryan. Why is Sam Darnold in any way, shape, or form on any of those lists? <laughs> so, be in the XFL. The room. The room. Okay. So here's. So then here's my question. Queen, if you only had a choice between Wentz and Darnold, who are you picking to start for your team? If you could only pick between those two, I will. I would go and put on my Becky icebox pad and and throw it myself. Yo, why did I think I knew she was going to say that? Like, I knew she was going to be like, going yeah, I'm, 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 I'm gonna do it myself. I'm gonna do it myself. I would, I would do what the Eagles did last year and went to the supermarket and find the kid that was saying, "Yo, I was all, you know, whatever little town pro." I would ride with him, Darnold. He, Darnold can't throw. Up. Cup in the garbage. Let alone. I I would like to. I would like to. And not because he's a jet. Not because he's a jet. Right. Just uh, on, on 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 what the Jets have done to him. I like carefully. I like. I'd like to. I I would. I would like to make a legitimate argument that I think that the the lack of credible good coaching and an offensive team around him in the time that he's been with the Jets, has really severely stunted what Sam Darnold can do. We have seen glimpses even more so ever than out of Carson Wentz. But we have seen glimpses, we have seen, uh, we have seen glimpses of what Darnold could do if given a team that, that is put around him that is solid. He has had two different coaches in his entire career, and I think Adam Gase 
really stunted him. I'm not saying Darnold is going to be an elite quarterback like people thought he was going to be. Like we stepping back into Jets fan therapy Whoa. on Saturday. <laughs> Listen, we will I, not. We will not. This has nothing to do with Jets fandom because I'll tell you right now. If you told me the Jets had an opportunity to get Deshaun Watson and replace Sam Darnold, or you tell me that we, we have an, we have an opportunity – to draft one of these quarterbacks in the draft, yeah. I'm taking them over Sam Darnold any day. Oh, but what I'm saying is I believe Sam Darnold can be salvaged somewhere. He there, there's a lot of a lot of there's been a lot of um a lot of destruction done to him. He, let me say something. He he is 50 60 percent is him. Because they, time after time, I've had to, I've been forced to sit through Jets games because they always come on at one o'clock. You get one o'clock games, yeah. O'clock terrible. Games. And any time the Jets have been close to winning a game, tying a game, it is not because of Donald's arm. It's because of fluky plays on the defense or some type of good offensive call, some type of interception going their way. I feel that Carson Wentz, his reputation makes him more salvageable than Sam Darnold. You Darnold's know? age. Darnold's I, age makes I him a little bit more salvageable than Wentz. I agree with you on the resume. Yeah. I agree with you on the resume. The reputation, the reputation of the Eagles and the fact that Wentz was supposed to be that superstar quarterback, he still has a ring. Even though he didn't play due to injury, he still has a ring. Right. So at the end of the day, so, his, his price, his brand value is a little higher than Darnold. Mm-hmm. You know, I was done with Darnold when he was when he was when they were playing a game last season, and he was like, I was, I felt like I saw a ghost. And yeah, yeah. I was done after that. I was like, you know, go go to the XFL. I mean, put it you like this though: if Jared Goff can get a hundred million dollars from the from the Rams. Sam Darnold and Carson Wentz will be starting somewhere and will get money. Why are you putting them together, though? (laughs) (laughs) They're not the same. You know know, know what? Again, this is where I wish we had a... No. This is where I wish we had a producer in the booth because this is where I would play the drop. Every time I'd mention Sam Darnold or Carson Wentz's name, I would just play the drop of of Tay going, They're bummed. I'm, uh, you know what? You know, Ryan, I'm a, I'm a, Matt Ryan on that level. He, Matt Ryan is getting into that bum uh, pot too for me. Matt Ryan all mixed in the bun, the bum pot right now. You know, he, he, you know, who, you know who's trying to get in that, that bowl for me too? Daniel Jones put his ass up in there. Oh, oh yep. Mm. Matt Ryan. Daniel Jones in there too. I think Matt Ryan, <laughs> Matt Ryan and Matthew Stafford. To me, are this year's Philip Rivers in the in the sense that they are two veteran quarterbacks that may leave their team and they may be brought in by a team to help get from that one year. I think to me, if Detroit moves on from Matthew Stafford, he is the biggest question mark because I think Matthew Stafford is a guy who can win a Super Bowl, but he will never do it in Detroit. Nobody will do anything of substance in Detroit, but like. You've had, no, no. you've had two great quarterbacks in Detroit. Two, in my opinion. Two great quarterbacks. John Kitna was a fantastic quarterback for mm-hmm. all the years that he was in Detroit. And that man got beat up 
and gave some of the best years of his career to Detroit football. And that man could have easily won a Super Bowl on any other team. And Matthew Stafford, that that boy has done beyond great things for that Detroit football team, has broken records passing, has won games with his arm alone, even after Calvin Johnson retired. Matthew Stafford yeah. and John Kitna, to me, are two of the greatest quarterbacks in the NFL over the last 20 years that people will never talk about. Yeah, I, I can agree with you. And my my um remark about Detroit, I mean that Detroit football team, that sorry football team that they keep making us watch on Thanksgiving and they lose almost every, every year on Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Every, <laughs> every Thanksgiving. Year. Every year. Bro. Every and it's just year. like, why? Why do I have to watch? I, if I were to watch a team lose every week, never mind, I ain't going to get into that. I'd watch the Cowboys. <laughs> Listen, the Cowboys have more wins. The Cowboys have more wins than than that other te- that third team in New York, so we're not going to talk too bad about the Cowboys. <laughs> but um, Tay, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta ask you one last question on this NFL topic before we switch because you brought this name up. Do you think it's time for the Giants to move on from Daniel Jones? No, nah, I don't think so. Do you bring in a veteran quarterback to back him up next year? Yeah, because he, I think he benefited from having Eli. In his ear uh, last last season, and also keep in mind, he has not played a full season with Saquon. Yeah, very true. You know what I'm saying? Very so true. It's, it's as if this, you know, he's had some decent pieces on the field. He's had Golden Tate. He's had Sterling Shepard. He's had my boy. Oh man, I, why I keep forgetting his name? The tight end. I had him on my team. Ingram. Evan Ingram. Yep. Yeah, he Evan can't Ingram. catch a ball sometimes. Yeah, but when he does catch a ball, you know what I'm saying? He's he's yeah. on point. So Daniel Jones has had some weapons, but he hasn't had the weapon. And he, I, yeah, I feel as if Daniel Jones is not trying to move on from him, but he would definitely, Pete, I agree with you. He would de- definitely benefit from having more of a veteran presence on the quarterback end. I, you know, I, I always gave Jason Garrett a lot of trash, a lot of crap over the years for his head coaching job at the Giants, but I mean, at the, in the Cowboys. But I really feel that Jason Garrett's offense, being the offensive coordinator for the Giants, has gotten them out of so many different terrible situations. I feel like he's a great fit for that team in that role. I would like to see them start to use Saquon more as, you know, uh, of a Marshall Falk type, a Priest Holmes type, where they're really using him on a lot more sweeps, a lot more outside runs, a lot more pass catching. Because I feel like the Giants over the last two or so years have tried to run Saquon up the teeth of the defense just because he is a big boy and he's got some muscles on him. I don't think he's a running back that's built to go up the gut and that's built to go into the teeth of the defense. But I think his speed, his breakaway speed, especially if he recovers from this injury really well, is still top-notch. And I think if you make him a Marshall Falk, Priest Holmes type that can get those sweeps off the end of the, off the, end of the offensive line, can catch the ball in the open field and, and, and break some tackles, I think he can be a lot more effective than he's been the last couple of years. Definitely. And then, you know, getting back to that, the Giants need a better O-line too. I feel as if their O-line was something that got them to 
the Super Bowls in the past. You know, they had a strong offensive line, a strong defense. You know, Eli had the, had the luxury of being able to take all day during those times. Um, yeah. I feel like Daniel Jones is a tough quarter. He's tough. But, you know, and Saquon, I agree with what you're saying with Saquon, but I feel like they need to protect him a little bit better. I think the Giants need to pick up um, a bigger back, too. Because Saquon is, you know, he's big and he's stocky, but he's not. You remember when we had um, Brandon Jacobs, right? They need, they need a big back like that for in order for them to play like how you you like you just mentioned with the sweeps and everything because they can run that big back at the fullback sometimes and have him blocking when they do the sweeps or when you need those little short yard situations instead of getting Saquon beat up the entire game, you have a big back that could just run through that. Run through it, get that yard or two you need. That that's old school NFL though. That's old school philosophy, and it still works. I still agree. It works. Look at the Titans. That's old school philosophy of having that secondary running back, that big fullback kind of running back that can get the Mm -hmm. tough yards, go right up the middle. Uh, You know, uh, think about it. When Le'Veon was first starting, Jerome Bettis was the was was the truck. You know, you had Le'Veon go and get the outside yards. And then you had Bettis ramming it in. and But at the end of the day, here's the issue with that. Now, especially with this idea that running backs only last three to five years, you got a lot of running backs who are very much just give me the ball. I need to get as many yards, as many touchdowns, as many touches as possible because if I don't, I'm not going to be able to maximize maybe the one to two contracts I am going to get versus years ago where running backs were more valued. And so mm-hmm. you, you you could have a guy like Le'Veon – get all the yards, but none of the touchdowns and Bettis get all the short yard touchdowns, but people would still pay Levy on his money. True. 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 So pick five plus one this week, because it is six super wild card playoff games this week. Um, the bills and Colts we know are playing at the moment. Um, we, we all, all picked, picked yesterday. Yeah. We all picked the bills for that game. Um, so what, what's the records looking like right now? All right, let me pull this up as we go into our playoffs here. Uh, Once again, it's a one-game difference between first and second place. Queen in first place at 39 and 24. I am one game behind in second place at 38 and 25. Matt, one game behind me at 37 and 26. So it's a two-game swing between first and third. Not that far off. Dre, you're going to need a miracle in these playoffs. Uh, at you are at 35 and 28. You're not far off, four games out of first, but you're gonna need a mirror. I don't care for it anymore. I just more or less like I want to see like the battle between you and 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 Tay. Like uh, that's that's what I'm looking at right now. The battle between you and Tay. You trying to overtake and Tay kind of like nah, stiff on back up. She got that Derrick Henry going on right now, ho- holding holding her ground, but. As the the games become fewer and fewer, the the easier it will be for her to hold on to the lead. So, listen, let's get it popping with the first game. We said the Bills. We all chose the Bills. Yes, so we now, did. Rams versus Seahawks. Ooh. Mm. Come on. Mm. I'm going to say that. 
So here, here's the, a little, little bit of the analysis, right? Rams okay. beat them the last time they played. Last yes. time they played, the Rams beat them. The Rams' defense is their biggest strength. The Seahawks' defense, getting back a couple of players this week. Um, but the biggest point of debate about this Seahawks-Rams game is that we don't know who's starting at quarterback for the, for the Rams, if it'll be Jared Goff or it'll be the backup Wofford. But here's the funny thing about that. It's almost as if everyone is acting like it doesn't matter who plays quarterback. Like There are literally – people in football who are saying doesn't matter if it's golf or it's Wofford. And and that's very alarming when golf's your hundred million dollar man. Yes. That's weird. <laughs> that's so weird. If you really think about it, like you just paid this man hundred million dollars to play. And now you're like, if he plays, he plays, if he doesn't, whatever. I, I, we don't care. We're just it's as not- confident with our backup as we would be with our starter, which is great PR to say, but I don't think it should be something you actually believe. That's not great PR for the the, the, the PR for the um, Jared Golf. Jared Golf PR people's like what? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but <laughs> um, I'm gonna go. With the Seahawks, the Rams are too confident for whatever reason. I don't know why. The Rams seem too confident, and this is a time where Russell Wilson really show, shows who he is. So I'm going to pick the Seahawks. Who you got, Pete? Oh, no, see, uh, I, I, I feel like Tay's strategy. I love, I love Tay. I love him. But I feel like Tay's Tay strategy, especially because we got this one-game thing, Tay usually tries to figure out who I pick first. And then she'll usually pick the same team I pick. So that way, even if I win, she wins. And so she'll always keep her lead. Um, so it's a little interesting. I've picked up on that the last couple of weeks. I love it. Um, you, you just now picking up on that? <laughs> Yo, like, she said this weeks ago. <laughs> I'm um, over here like, Pete, you could just do one week where you just, just pick somebody you know you're not going to win. <laughs> like, and see, see what happens. Um, it's it's you know I I put Russell Wilson in the Steph Curry category uh, something that Tay brought up earlier and and it goes to what Dre just said I think this is where Russell Wilson shows who he really is and Russell Wilson is an MVP caliber quarterback Um, I think the Seahawks win a very low scoring dirty game but as Tay said earlier when we were talking about Steph Curry I don't know if Russell Wilson can do this all by himself for the entirety of the NFL playoffs, as as bad as that sounds, because I think the Seahawks and Russell Wilson deserve a lot more respect than they get. I'm going to take the Seahawks in this game, but I think it's going to be a lot tougher moving forward for them. Um, I was always going with the Seahawks. You guys know my affinity for Russell Wilson, so I feel like he's like he's so underrated. So, you know, Seahawks. Even though I really – let me tell you something. I don't see them winning, but I'm going to go with them. I can't hear you, Dre. You, you don't see them winning this game or just in general or, like, moving forward? I don't see them winning this game. Got you, got you, got you. But, you know, sometimes, like, if I vote against it, hopefully it happens type of thing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So – yeah, it worked last week with the Giants. It, it did. It did. And let me say something: the Philadelphia Eagles, what they did was trash. Man, 
man, man, man. Doug, Doug, Dougie P needs to Doug, get stomped out. Doug, 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 Doug. You know, oh, it, 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 it's interesting, though, because, you know, you saw reports of there being, like, players wanting to revolt against Doug Peterson, and then they had players come out publicly to the media mm. a couple of days later saying, no, there were no issues, da, da, da. There was the story going around that this was had already been planned prior to the game being played where they knew that they wanted to get Sudfeld in. Um, there's been stories that I've heard that this wasn't even a Doug Peterson decision, that this was a on high decision where it's like, we don't want Jalen to get hurt. Um, so pull him out of the game at some point and get Sudfeld in the game. Um, from a competitive advantage point of view, because as the greatest coach, the man that I admire, Herm Edwards always says, you play to win the game. Right. And Jalen Hurts gave them the best chance to win the game from a competitive standpoint. I understand why everybody's so upset. But, you know, if this true, let's just take this away from Doug Peterson for a second. If this was an organizational decision, I understand why the decision was made. But from a game decision and the way that it affected and reverberated across the league, it's, it's going to vilify Doug for the rest of his career. Absolutely, absolutely. Even if it wasn't even his decision. Yeah. Definitely his decision. Jalen Hurts was visibly <laughs> upset um, that that had happened because you don't want – you know, I was upset as a Giants fan, of course, and I, I didn't expect the Eagles to bail us out because we could have won more – definitely won more games that we weren't in that mm-hmm. position to rely mm-hmm. on the Eagles when the Washington football team has been playing kind of um, – don't want to say amazing, but – Really well over the past few weeks, so yeah, yeah, that's and that that's. I was thinking about making that a topic, but everybody has said everything that we would have said. Basically, the Giants should have won more games. Yes, let's get that out the way. Yeah, but yeah, like that. That's number one. Whatever Philly decided to do, Philly decided to do. It just makes Doug and the Philadelphia Eagles organization, not the players, but the organization, look crazy. Like they look like they packed it in, but that's who do you, st- who do you, if you're the, if you're the team, uh-huh. do you run the risk of getting rid of the guy who you paid to be your franchise quarterback and your coach all in the same season? And if you, no. if they keep Doug Peterson, how do they repair this going into next year with the team? That that's, that's Doug. Question. That's a great question. That's a great question. I think Doug Peterson the owner and whoever they decide that's going to be their quarterback need to have a conversation. Like they need to have a conversation ASAP because if people are saying it's not from Doug Peterson and it was from, you know, higher above people need to have this conversation. Like that, that's how I feel about it. Of course, you know, people hire up be like, Oh, I don't have to tell nobody nothing. Cool. You just, now you, now you just have the players not wanting to play for you. That, but that's on you. You yeah, need I think to have a conversation. If you're the GM, I think the GM, I don't necessarily think it'll go as high as the owner, but I think if you're the general manager, if you're the president of football operations, if you want Doug Peterson to stand a chance of being a viable coach for your team next year, you have to take this heat. And you have to say, this was our call. Doug was going on our orders. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is what it is. Because I think that's the only way that Doug Peterson gets any respect from anybody on that football team next year, and it's not a lame duck. Right. Next game, Ravens-Titans. Uh, 
this is tough. Games a little bit harder. Interesting <laughs> about this. Interesting about this game, and this was a a very interesting note that I picked up uh, while I was doing my research on this. Um, there is only so when when opposing defenses mm-hmm. give up a hundred or more yards rushing to Derrick Henry, the mm-hmm. Titans are ten and two. Mm-hmm. When defensive hold him under a hundred, Tennessee is six and ten. Now, the only team, right, the only team, I mean, the only player, I should say, that has rushed for more than 100 yards in three consecutive games against the Ravens was Jerome Bettis back in Mm 1996-97. Eric Henry has rushed for 100 or more yards in the last two times the Titans have met the Ravens. So the question for this game is can the Ravens, can the Ravens and their number eight run defense stop Derrick Henry? That's a great question, but I raise you another one. Can the Titans stop the Ravens from running wild? Because the Ravens almost had 400 yards rushing the other week. And if you can't hold on to them running rushing and uh, Lamar Jackson gets out the pocket, what are you going to do? Like now you have to keep a spy there. Now you have a you have the spy there watching for uh for Jackson. Now he can actually make throws. Now I he mean, can make throws to his this receivers. Is the game that Baltimore wanted. Baltimore lost the right. last year in the playoffs. And mm-hmm. once they did that, here's what they did. Last year, after watching them, after Derrick Henry ran for 195 yards and beat them, they got they trade, they they trade for Calais Campbell, they signed Derek Wolf, and they draft Patrick Queen at middle linebacker. They literally revamped their defense for Derrick Henry prevent. And now you're in this game. So it's there's a lot riding on this game from the Ravens side. Like you made all these defensive moves, maybe at the expense of getting a better offensive team around Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. And if you know, it all comes down to this game. This is where the money is for for, for that whole that whole defense. Titans for me, though. Yeah, I'm picking the Titans. Tay, who you got? I picked first last game. We'll alternate this one. <laughs> hmm. They're stuck. <laughs> I don't know, man. I I'm not. How? Maybe let's. Hmm. Hold on. I'm I mean, Earl Thomas ain't there to get stiff arm no more. Jesus, that was something else. That was oh. got the Ravens queen. Mm-hmm. I, I'm gonna take the Titans just because I don't think the offense of the Ravens has enough outside of Lamar Jackson. I think their running game the last game was more of an anomaly of who they were playing more than it being the Titans. I never thought there'd be a day where I put money on Ryan Tannehill over Lamar Jackson, but I think Tennessee wants to prove that last year wasn't a fluke. Um, and they want to do a lot more. Um, I honestly think that all things considered, we could see Tennessee versus Kansas City at the end of this. Oh, uh, but I'm, I'm, I switch. Who you for? 
He has the, the Titans as well. Yeah, I took Ooh, the Titans. I don't like your picks, though. Like, <laughs> Listen, I'm picking for the love of it. I'm not picking to win. So I think we, all, we <laughs> all know that the playoffs are the playoffs are insane. I mean, we're right. talking about put it like this. Um, and we'll who, won talk last, who, who won the last um meeting? Uh, I'll tell you right now. The Titans, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I believe it was the Titans. Let me see what they did this season. They're in the division. They had to have played, what, twice? They're not in the same division. I'm sorry. They're, they're in the same conference. They played. They had to have played each other. Yes. So the Titans played. Oh, let me see. While he's while he's looking for that, we'll we'll get back to that. Um, Bears and Saints. This shouldn't take this shouldn't take too long. So I'm gonna take. I'm, I'm gonna pick the Saints. Who who's playing Saints. the Saints? Chicago. The Bears. Oh, oh, the the Bears. The Bears. Uh, you know I should pick the Bears just because I've picked against them all year. But um, in the words of the great. Cedric Alexander. F that team. Very nice. I'm taking <laughs> I'm taking the same. <laughs> and, and the Bears can go back to obscurity. That goes from a bitter, bitter, bitter Jets fan. Because it's the <laughs> playoffs. Like you tell me who's gonna outscore the Saints if you're the Bears. Who on the Bears going to ask questions? But that's going to suck you Alvin Kamara's back. So, I, I, yeah. we don't have a – let me tell you something. If, if the game is competitive, I'm, I'm happy for them. So, both of the games this year um, – actually, I think they only played – they only played once yeah. this year. Yeah. Um, it was in week 11, mm-hmm. and Baltimore uh, – Titans won 30-24 to in overtime. Mm-hmm. Tannehill passed for 259 yards and Henry rushed for 133 yards. But it took it took overtime in that game. Lamar Jackson threw for under 200 yards um, with a touchdown and, and, and one interception. Hey, but the Titans know. had to come back. The Titans had to come back um, because they they were down. They were outscored in the first three quarters, and they had to come back, score eleven points in the fourth quarter, and then six point, and then a touchdown in overtime. All right, um, we need to do what Steelers Browns. Steelers Browns, and then the the main event, which uh, Peter shocked the world on us before we started. <laughs> before we started, but, but I, got, I got some insight into that too. But um, okay, with the. Steelers, Browns. I'm going with the Steelers. Ben Ben Roethlisberger's playing, right? Yeah. Yes. I'm going with the Steelers. Steelers as well. Yeah, I mean, hey Browns, I'm sorry. 17 years. I know you've been fighting a long time to get in, but this is we talked. We said this with Russell Wilson, right? This is where Russell Wilson. This is where the Steelers come to play. Yes. Right. This is where the Steelers come to play. Um, there's certain teams in certain leagues that you just don't bet against in certain situations. I, I find it hard to usually bet against the Spurs if they ever make the playoffs sometimes, yeah. unless they're playing a really over a team, a team that overmatches them, right? But even then, you've seen the Spurs go into, uh, in, into, into series against teams they shouldn't do well against and take it to seven games. Um, you know, and the Steelers are the same way. 
When it comes to the playoffs, Steelers are in the playoffs. I find it hard to, to root against the Steelers. Um, I don't think the Steelers go very far, but I think the Steelers win this game. All right, Steelers around the table. Um, back to the Ravens and Titans real quick before we get to the last game. So, again, I picked the Titans. Who did you two pick? I picked the Titans. I don't know, y'all. <laughs> Listen, if I if I didn't pick the Titans, I think she would have picked the Titans. <laughs> yeah, I know. You put a little stink on it. Yeah, I put a little stink on it. Let's talk about the next round. That's the main event. I'll get I'll I'll sleep on that. I'll have my answer in a minute. With that. All right. So the main event. Um the Tampa Bay Bucks. Versus the football team. So a little, a little insight into this, right? Mm-hmm. Washington coming in with a losing record. Washington is seven and nine. If we do not count the nineteen um, eighty-two, the two teams in nineteen eighty-two who made the playoffs with losing records. So if we take them out, mm-hmm. okay, the last two teams to make the playoffs in the current format with losing records have both won their first round games. Seahawks, right? Is one of them. Seattle you know, Seahawks in 2010, who mm-hmm. came in at seven and nine mm-hmm. um, and then defeated, um, um, defeated the, um, uh, defeated the Saints. Yeah. Defeated the Saints with the Marshawn Lynch 67 rush, 67 yard touchdown that they said started an earthquake in Seattle. Mm-hmm. And then the 2014 Carolina Panthers, who went into the playoffs with a 7 8 and 1 record um, with Cam Newton, and they defeated the 11 and 5 Cardinals, um, but then lost in the second round. So, in the current format of the NFL playoffs, the two teams that have made it into the playoffs with a losing record are 2 and 0 in the first round. I'm picking uh, the Bucks. I don't need too much time for this. It's Tom Brady. It's the playoffs. Picking <laughs> the Bucks. Like, like this, this. Come on, it's the Bucks, and we're talking about the football team, and we make make fun of Washington almost this whole entire year, and they've been playing. They've been playing pretty good, but pretty good. I mean, they barely beat the Eagles last week. The Eagles, yeah. they barely beat the Eagles last week. I don't think they beat the Giants at all this season either. No, I, and when I mean by pretty good, I mean their defense have played pretty good. Everything else just fall, falling into place. But Tom Brady, the playoffs, and he has weapons, and he's comfortable now. Yeah, let's go, Bucks. Let's go, Bucks. Glad, <sighs> Pete. So, <laughs> here, here's my thing. Uh-huh. We had a little conversation earlier in the, in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, and I unofficially at that time picked Washington. Mm-hmm. So let me give you why I want to pick Washington. Okay. Brady, when he faces teams that have the defensive tenacity that Washington's going to bring with that front seven, struggles. Tay knows this firsthand. The reason why the Giants are 2-0 against the Patriots in the Super Bowl is because of the tenacity of that defense throwing Brady. No, there's other reasons, 
There's other reasons, but what was the thing that made Brady so ineffective in those games against the Giants? No, the front he seven was and he was effective. Not as not as not as effective as he usually is. But he was effective. You know, but that front seven, okay, of the Giants, OCU Manura, straight hand in the first one, um, and other play Justin Tuck, right? That front seven of the Giants threw Tom Brady off of his game. And we've always seen that tough defensive fronts that can rush the quarterback and rush Tom Brady give Brady a hard time. Mm. In my heart, I want to pick Washington. I want to. I really want to pick Washington. Me too. I feel like Washington has the defensive pressure to really take Brady off of his game. I think they're motivated, especially after what Chase Young said on the field last week. We want Brady, right? Mm, I think they're motivated. He might take that personally. But he might take that personally. He might He might have an MJ moment, but like, and I took that personally. He might take it personally. But, but you know, you comparing the – let me tell you something. OC, Strahan, these are – Strahan, I, I don't know. Uh, these are like legendary defensive players. You get what I'm saying? Washington ain't on that level yet. Not yet. Not yet. Um, but I think they have some great young some great young football players, right? They had eight sacks, right? Seven from the D line against Philly in the beginning of the in the beginning of the year. They had six sacks against Dallas and held the Cowboys to three points, right? Um since the bye week, they only allowed 95 points over five games, okay? And you have Jonathan Allen, Darren Payne, Montez Sweat, which, by the way, is one of the greatest names in the NFL. When your last name is Sweat, you know, Montez Sweat. Uh, Chase Young, Ryan Kerrigan, they've only allowed 151 rushing yards uh, over, over the three-game win streak that they had at the end of the year. Um, you know... They have they have the team to do it. Impressive though to me. They, they they're not super impressive, but they they are they are that quiet storm of a defense. Okay, I I'll give you that. So who you my, picking? My heart wants to take the Washington football team. Well, who you picking? Uh, but if I have to put money on the table, if I was in Jersey putting money on the table. Uh, um, unfortunately, I think Tampa's going to find a way to pull this game out, but I don't know if Tampa Bay gets past the second round. Yeah. Yeah. So is it Tampa Bay all around? Tampa Bay. My only thing, just to, to, to finish that, Tom Brady is playing with his favorite target. On He's playing with his favorite target this playoff. Gronk has been kind of sleeping this year. Cool. Whatever I think that was that may have been by design. It's the playoffs. Gronk, who's holding Gronk? You're gonna have if if Chase Young has to chase Gronk around the whole game, Tom Brady will be a okay. <laughs> Tom Brady just throw freely if he wants to. I think the bigger question is also who's starting for Washington offensively. There's still we still don't have a clear consensus as it if Alex Alex Smith is going to be starting, and I would feel a lot more comfortable taking Washington if I knew that Alex Smith was starting. Alex Smith is starting. They don't He's have starting. no choice. 
No, they have they, no, I know as of two hours ago, they were talking about he's go he's gonna get to the facility this afternoon and they're gonna check to see Washington is is Ooh. ready to start Taylor Hanicki at quarterback Ooh. if Alex Smith isn't clear. Yikes, yikes. No. Yeah, no. And that, that to me is the bigger problem. If Alex Smith, if I knew definitively that Alex Smith was starting this game as quarterback, I would sit here on this show right now and tell you that I was taking the Washington football team, all things be darned, against Tampa Bay in the first round. But there's no clear consensus that Alex Smith is starting yet. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. All right. Um, all right. Round that corner one more time. <laughs> Ravens Titans. <laughs> <laughs> this is it. This is it. Gotta go consult her bookies, right? Like, where the money at? Listen, this how 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 are we doing this? Like, how, are we doing how are we gonna do this? <laughs> I can't lose this game. I can't. I can't lose this game. Listen, this is not the Ravens. Of Ray Lewis and uh, and and uh, Holy Nagata and all the <laughs> she's taking okay. the Ravens. Oh, I think I want to take the Ravens too. No, no, no. You know what? I'm gonna take the Ravens too. Switch my pick. I'm gonna take the Ravens. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna take the ring. Switch my pick. I'll take yeah, the Ravens. She's gonna take making, the Titans. We're supposed to be making picks based on <laughs> analytical discourse and picking teams who you think you're gonna win. And y'all over here just like, oh, I'm picking this team. <laughs> listen, listen. I'm, I'm sitting here like Michael. When is the game? Uh, the Ravens Titans game is tomorrow, one o'clock. I'll have my answer before then. Stay tuned. You, I feel right. like Michael Cole back in the early uh, in the early 2010s when he used to sit there and be like, "I'm a journalist, right?" Like, <laughs> I'm picking. Listen, I'm gonna pick the Ravens regardless because <laughs> so that just takes an option away. So I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take the Ravens. <laughs> let's go. Let's go, Lamar. Let's go. Yo, yo, yo. yo. Let's go. Let's go. Dre, Dre, out here, Dre out here doing frog splashes like he's Snoop Dogg. Yeah, right. he... <laughs> nah, 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 nah. And then look, Matt hasn't even picked his yet. So you still got to look for Matt. And... <laughs> but if I pick something, it's different because I'm at the bottom, so I get it. So We all did pick the Bills, though, before this show went on air. Actually, we made that pick last mm -hmm. night. And just as an update on that right now, the Bills are ahead at halftime, 14 to 10. <laughs> Thank God, because that would have been hilarious. Games, guys, I'm getting antsy. All right, all right. So, to our special guest. Yes, yeah, shout out to our special guest for joining us. Um, the coolest CEO, Marcus Crenshaw. Um, look for him on all social media platforms. Um, of course, shout out to the Jabba Chase Network, of course. Um, two and a half bros, his own talk. Um, game night with Mike and Nelly that just dropped a new episode with me and the lovely Amanda Panda who uh, we had fun on that episode so definitely take a listen to it but I believe next week is premiere week for the Job Tears Network so all the shows I just mentioned will be coming back so make sure you stay tuned along with us dropping on you know our usual day usual time so for the queen Queen Tay head of the table head of the table <laughs> for 
The voice of a generation, Pete Rosado. Hashtag Scrap Daddy for life. Scrap Daddy Adam Pierce for life. Let's go. Oh, man. For BK Matt. It, <laughs> it is your boy, Big Baby, signing off. Peace.